0: The preaching text this morning comes to us from the book of Romans, chapter 5 and chapter 3. The preaching text this morning comes to us from Romans, chapters 3 and chapter 5, selected verses. You can follow along in your bulletins or if you'd like to read along in your pew Bibles, That reading begins on page 916. Paul writes, For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. And he will justify the circumcised on the ground of faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Skipping now to chapter 5, Paul continues, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. These are your words, O Lord. Your word is the truth. Lead us into the truth. So the other day, I found myself muttering the if word. Now, 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 let me be clear. Let me be clear. I didn't say I was muttering the F word. I mean, maybe I was muttering that word, but that was some other time. I'm not talking about that time. I'm talking about muttering to myself that two-letter word, if. I think many of you know I've been working really hard these last months to get in better shape again. A year ago, while recovering from my aortic valve replacement, the focus was on healing. And that meant eating comfort foods, taking it easy now it was time to get back in shape again. To train for that triathlon, I promised myself I would do. To get my blood sugars under control again, to be disciplined, mind, body, and soul. And it's been an amazing five or six months. I feel better than I have in over a decade. The challenge for me, though, is that it's so easy for me to begin to define my worth, to define the quality of the day, based on how well training and eating has gone. That's where I was muttering the if word the other day. If I can only run this fast, or if I can only bike this far, if I meet my carbohydrate goal and consume fewer than 2,000 calories, I will look the way I want. I'm driven by something I posted on Caring Bridge about a year ago as I was starting cardiac rehab. They ask you to set goals for yourself when you start that kind of thing. And, and I decided that one of my goals was to be my best self. I used those very words. I want to be my best self. And I wrote about that on Caring Bridge. And that kind of goal is a, is a great motivator, for sure. But it's also a huge trap one that'll have you muttering the if word in no time. Now, I just bet that plenty of you have found yourself muttering that word, too. Maybe not that long ago. If you could only look that way. If you could only lose 20 pounds. If you could only get that job or that promotion. If you could only have that phone or that car or that house. If you could only have 20 more minutes in your day for your kids or your spouse or for your prayer life if you could only, and then you fill in the blank and buy into this notion that the whole of our worth is tied up in what we do or how we look or what we own or what we can achieve. We rule our lives with that stupid if word. Now, of course, I know that the nagging word if does come to us in necessary ways, we we know that if we play in the street or if we eat too much junk food or if we drive too fast or if we spend more than we earn or if we do other foolish things, there's going to be consequences. So it's probably unfair to say that the word if is just a a bully or troublemaker. It does have a legitimate, necessary place in our vocabulary insofar as it keeps us safe. But so often that little word does more than keep us safe It terrorizes, it controls, it manipulates us day after day after day. Now for many people, when it comes to their image of God, that two-letter word has a way of dominating their perceptions, too. In a world obsessed with if, we make God into the great if-giver in the sky, the mastermind behind all the ifs. And we imagine God to be the one who offers his services of care Love, eternal reward, in exchange for meeting a grueling set of requirements. And while a select few seem to figure they've met those requirements with flying colors, you've probably met someone like that. The rest of us are way smarter than that. And so when it comes to our relationship with God, we simply find one more place where the word if becomes a hammer that pounds and pounds us again and again with our deep inadequacies into such a world controlled and driven by if. The Apostle Paul wants us instead to rejoice in a different word since. Since. He begins the fifth chapter of his letter to the Romans with a glorious word far different than the despair producing if. Paul instead writes since we are justified by faith. Since we are justified by faith. I love it. I love it. Now, full disclosure, that's not exactly what the Greek says. In Greek, Paul simply begins with the phrase, having been justified, it's this declarative statement, having been justified, therefore. Beautiful in its own way, but in order to translate that into English, the fine people in charge of the New Revised Standard Version, the translation we are using this morning, decided to help a person like me, consumed with the word if- and use the word since instead. Since we are justified by faith. I love it because it's exactly what we need. What a glorious beginning to Romans chapter 5. What makes us right before God, what makes us loved, cared for, cherished by God, is not something we do. God does not say, if you obey my rules, if you go to church each week, if you prove your love for me through acts of kindness, generosity, and more, if you work hard, run yourself ragged at work and at home, and you show me that you're really making the most of your time and your talent and your treasure, then I'll love you. God doesn't work that way. I don't blame you for thinking that's the way it works, because the if-then way of thinking dominates this, this world and shrouded by sin, our eyes can't help but think that God works the same way. But he doesn't. We look to the cross of Jesus Christ where God proves it. For on that cross, while we were still caught up in our sin, our greed, our lust, our hatred, our self-serving attitudes and actions, God died for you. God died for me. He didn't want us to go through life believing that he is the master of phrases like, well, you get what you pay for. Or, hey, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. God is more gracious and merciful than our minds can even imagine. Even though that might be hard to see in this sin-sick world, full of demands, full of trouble, full of that pesky if-word. The death of Jesus and how that makes us whole with God is a complicated mystery. I can't unpack all of that this morning. But in part, it must be said that Jesus' death is a concrete sign that God prefers to give graciously and abundantly to his undeserving people. And since we are justified, since we are brought back into alignment, into relationship with God by faith, by the gracious gift of God, we can live in peace. A peace beyond anything this world can give. A peace that only God can give. The shouting demands of this world are suddenly drowned out by these unconditional promises of God. And the pressure to perform, to do, to achieve, to succeed can be set aside in the presence of this one who freely forgives, renews, promises, and loves. You belong to God. And nothing, not death, not life, not demands, not failures, not anything else, not even a mediocre sermon or a below-average time on the bike can take that away. I I just wanted to make sure the preacher was listening to And that's a promise so great that it even allows us to rejoice while we suffer, says Paul. Suffering can come in many forms. Sometimes it comes because of our own mistakes and failures. A lot of times it's just part of living in this world. We're broken people living in a broken world. And so we suffer. But by the grace of God, we know that we do not suffer because God hates us or has abandoned us or simply because we failed to live up to that dreaded if-word. There may be even some good that can come from our suffering. Now we have to be careful here. It doesn't always happen that way, but it can. By the grace of God, it can. And through it all, through all the demands, the chaos, the struggles of this world, we can always look to the cross of Jesus Christ and know that we are still in the gracious bond As Christians, then, we know that we have a God determined to rule with mercy and grace, not not merely with laws and conditions. Again, of course we need that little word, if. For without it, we would have chaos and, and disorder. We need to know that certain behavior will result in certain consequences, but we also know by faith that the far greater force in our lives is the mercy of God who gives before we can even think of earning or deserving. We know that what we really need in this life, more than anything else, is God's love, God's mercy. Not power, possessions, popularity, prestige. God's love. And that love is not something we earn. It's something that God freely and lovingly gives. And by faith, We see a world showered by His love. Rain, soil, grain, fruit, air, water, and more are abundantly given to all people. Friends, neighbors, family, and other relationships may be imperfect, but they are given as gifts as well. And most of all, we live in peace with our Heavenly Father, knowing as we look at the gracious symbol of the cross that He loves us beyond all measure and comprehension. For if God would do so much, While we were still sinners, how much more does he care for us now that we have been brought near to him, his friends? So I pray that this word of God, that his precious unconditional promises would take firm root in your souls once again today. Because outside these doors, there's a whole bunch of people muttering the if word today. They need to hear the good news, the liberating news of Christ. And so may may Christ's words of mercy and care fill you with true joy this day. And when you go back into the world, may His care surround you, keep you from despair in this culture that wants to hold you to impossible standards of beauty, wealth, time, and talent. Since you are made right with God by faith, be at peace with God and the world that He created. Live those words. Love those words. Share those words. Those words, in Jesus' name, amen.